Welcome to The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. Together, we will journey through self-discovery and fulfillment in life. Here's your host, Jan Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to The Good Good Life. I am your host, Jan Jones. You know, I've been asking you this, but I am going to ask you now to just say it with me. I am awake, alert, alive, enthusiastic. You know I am. I am loving these Fridays with you, and I am so grateful that you have joined me, that you are choosing to spend this time and focus on the good, good life. Now, today, I'm very excited. We are talking about spreading kindness like confetti. Y'all know confetti is so hard to clean up. It just gets everywhere and it seems like it spreads and you keep finding it forever and ever. Well, That is the goal with kindness. That's what I want us to do with kindness. I want to make it impossible to ever get rid of kindness in this world. And we are going to talk about that today. The Janiverse is spinning with excitement because guess what? I've got a guest. I've got a guest and it is going to be an amazing show because she is going to share her journey and her story to an extreme act of kindness. And while we are listening to her, her name is Anne. I'm going to introduce her in just a moment. I want you to think about these questions. Do you consider yourself a kind person? Or do you wish that you took more time to be kind? You know, kindness is much like light. Light really stands out more in the dark. Think about a flashlight. We don't notice that it's on when it's daylight, but then when it gets dark at night and we turn a flashlight on, it's really bright. And kindness really stands out in a world that can be a little harsh and a little selfish. So we're going to talk with Anne. We're going to hear her story. But at the end of the show, we are going to talk about and I'm going to share some ways that you can develop your own kindness and some practical ideas on how to spread kindness like confetti. So now to the meat of the show, the main attraction, I want to introduce my guest and dear friend, Anne Rayburn. Now, Anne has been working in the medical field for her entire career. She has an associate degree in nursing and her bachelor of science degree in nursing, and she spent several years as a critical care nurse before beginning her work with organ donation. She has devoted over 30 years to the field of organ donation, and she is currently the Director of Education for Legacy of Hope. I will tell you, Anne is the very proud mom of her 23-year-old daughter, and she's like me. She loves animals. She has a rescue dog. Oh, and a fiance. Hey, Kevin, if you're listening, Anne loves to spend time with her fiance and her family and her dogs and going hiking and going to the beach. And she's able to do all of that, plus perform this act of kindness that you're about to hear about. Um, Because that's the fun fact that I am leaving out. Anne donated a kidney to a friend of hers. So she truly gave an out-of-this-world extreme act of kindness. It was very life-giving. But as we hear Anne's story, I want you to think about how all acts of kindness are really life-giving. So Anne, welcome to The Good Good Life. We are really glad you're here. I want to turn it over to you. I want them to hear about your journey to giving your kidney to a friend of yours. 
Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to share my story. A little um, embarrassed because, you know, it's a little hard to talk about yourself. And I don't, you know, while I realize that donating a kidney sounds like a big deal to me, it didn't really feel like that big of a deal. Um, I told my friend I don't like to cook. I'd rather give you a kidney than make you dinner after you have surgery. So, um, but I am not originally from Alabama. I moved here about... Mm, 25, 26 years ago. And one of the first people I met is a woman named Tess. And it turns out she has polycystic kidney disease or PKD. And that is a disease that runs in families. So her mom had it, her brother, her sister. And because of my experience as a nurse and um, with organ donation, it was always kind of in my mind that at some point in her life, she may need a kidney transplant. In fact, her brother and sister were both transplanted. So we live our lives and we're friends and um, fast forward. And one day we're talking on the phone and she shares with me while we're catching up that she had seen her kidney doctor, her nephrologist. And he said, you know, in about a year, you're either going to be on dialysis or you're going to need a kidney. And then we just went on talking like women do. I guess men do too, but I'm not a man. So, you know, we just were talking and I got off the phone with her and I thought, you know, I should have told her that I would want to be, you know, tested to be a donor for her. So the next day I called her back and I wasn't probably very eloquent, but I said, you know, I want to um, be tested to donate one of my kidneys to you. And she said, you know, I can't ask you to do that. And I said, well, you didn't ask me and I'm offering or volunteering and I'm going to do it. I'm going to reach out and, you know, get that started. Um, I might not be quite as stubborn as Jan, but I'm pretty, you know, once I decide I want to do something, then I want to do that thing. So um, stubborn, stubborn. Yes. That's what my fiance would say. And you know I like to say strong willed. <laughs> that would be me. Uh, I'm just kidding. So I, um, to start the process, uh, I just Googled uh, UAB. I'm in Birmingham. Um, so University of Alabama at Birmingham for those folks who aren't from here. And uh, I Googled UAB living donor and uh, their website came up and you actually start the process. You can make a phone call or you can fill out a form online. It's very simple. It asks you a few medical questions. You know, they do some pretty high level screening and you have then an opportunity either to designate who you would like to donate to or if you would like to donate to anybody on the list. So I put in Tess's name and uh, I'll be honest, you know, had a moment's pause before I hit the submit button, because to me, that's kind of where it became real. Like, okay. I had a conversation, but now if I hit submit, then I'm on this path to um, to consider doing this. So I hit submit, and within a day or so, I had a call from one of the transplant coordinators. They asked me more medical screening questions because, you know, their priority is, are you as the donor healthy? Are you going to be able to live a full expected life um, with one kidney? And... Um, so, and I had thought a lot about this, like way more than the average person, probably just because of what I do. And, um, you know, I know that we don't have any kidney disease in my family. Um, my daughter was healthy, is healthy and kind of felt like she wouldn't need my kidney because, you know, if my daughter needed it, you know, would that not be my first choice to help her? And, um, so I went in and had my day-long evaluation. It's very thorough, kind of head to toe. They do an EKG. They do a CT of the abdomen. They run a bunch of labs. And again, all these testing to see, you know, are you healthy? And, um, and then they do a lot of education. So you spend a good part of the day learning about transplants, you know, your surgery, um, what would be expected after surgery, um, questions about um, anything related to that process. Um, again, I'm kind of strong-willed and I went by myself, probably not the best decision. Like, oh, I'm a nurse. I don't need anybody to go with me. I got this. Um, I, I sometimes maybe am independent to a, to a flaw. But anyway, um, and within about a week or so, I got a letter and it says, you know, that, that you've been accepted as a living donor for tests. 
And I was just very excited. And then we had to kind of put it on pause because she wasn't quite ready for her kidney. So um, the screening was in September of 2015 and the transplant was in June of 2016. So, and um, we're both doing well and um, I didn't miss a beat. I was out of work for a couple of weeks and she's done well. It was, it's harder, I think, for the recipient, you know, to recover because they're going into surgery, not as healthy as a living donor, but um, it was just really a positive experience. Oh, I love this story and thank you for sharing it. And okay, there are so many things just buzzing around in my head that um, that I want to know. And I hope that our listeners are, are you know, going to be intrigued by some of your answers. So first of all, what an incredible act of kindness. I, I have to ask, you know, you've meant you've mentioned, and we know from your introduction that. You have worked in the medical field for, you know, your entire career. So you knew what polycystic kidney disease was all about when you met this uh, this woman named Tess that you have become good friends with. But other than your medical background, what made you want to do this? I mean, what were the emotions behind it and what was the thought process behind it? So for me, Tess is a really vibrant person. She's a little bit older than I am, but she and her husband travel a lot. Her um, son and his wife and their child live out of town. And I really couldn't stand the thought of her being on dialysis. So, you know, dialysis is a great option for people that have end-stage kidney disease and their kidneys aren't working for them. But um, it's not an easy process and you're, you're much more confined, more tied to home, depending on what type of dialysis you're doing. And that was really what motivated me that is there a way that she could be transplanted before she needs dialysis so that she could have the best possible outcome and um, not rely on a medical technology that was going to be, you know, more restrictive in in how she lived her life. That's amazing. I mean, just putting someone else's life and their needs and just having that desire in your heart for someone to continue to live that vibrant, active life. I mean, it it really is focusing on someone else's needs rather than your own. And it's truly inspirational. And, And that is really at the root of kindness. So something else really stood out to me um, as you were sharing the whole process, that that whole pause before you even hit the submit button to go get evaluated. You had not even um, you had not been to the doctor yet. You were just filling out the form online, which is a pretty easy process is what it sounds like to me. You just Google whatever state you're in um, for that hospital and figure out how you can be a living donor. But I really believe and know that kindness takes courage. It takes courage to be kind. It takes courage to kind of put yourself out there and just, you know, interact with someone that maybe you don't know. But of course, you know, Tess, and you said, I did pause because it made it real. And there was a gap between when you got the word that you were a match and when the surgery was actually taking place. So my question is, did you ever think of backing out? And was that even a possibility once you had gone through that evaluation and you're like, oh no, wait, I'm just not sure. So talk to me a little bit about that. That's a great question. So um, partly because of being a nurse and working with organ donation, I am probably a little too realistic that, you know, not everything always goes the way we think it's going to go. Right. So I know I'm healthy, but, you know, with any surgery, there is risk. You know, I could have a complication. I could die under anesthesia, all these dramatic things. And um, I am a single mom. And so I had a conversation with my daughter, whose name is Sarah. And I said to her that I wanted to donate a kidney to Miss Tess, because that's what we call her. And, And I said, what do you think about that? And she was a junior in high school. Yeah, that's about right. Junior in high school. And um, she paused and she said, you know, mama, I don't think you would do it if you didn't think it was safe. 
Mm. And um, so part of my pause wasn't really so much about me. It was more about her and the people that depend on us. So like we all have people that depend on us in our lives, mm-hmm. right? So mine is my daughter. Um, I help with my elderly parents. And, you know, so there are people that, that kind of need you to, to, to be alive. So um, thankfully the way the living donor program works. So you, you do have an advocate for you. They're called a living donor advocate. And um, so at any point, if I had decided, you know, I maybe overdid it. This was really maybe not the best decision for me. Then I could have communicated that to my advocate and my advocate then would convey, you know, that I'm not, that um, the donation is not going to happen. And they don't reveal it's not like, oh, because, you know, she changed her mind. She's scared to have surgery. But there's a way to graciously kind of remove that person from the donation process and not have that then be a problem going forward. Hmm. Um, you know, especially if it's a family or something like that, you know, you don't want people to feel pressured to donate. So you have somebody who's your advocate, who's not linked to the transplant recipient. Hmm. And that is such great information to, to know if anybody is even thinking about being a living donor, but, um, you know, I love, I love hearing how your concerns weren't really for you, even though you know more than the average person going into any kind of surgery, being, uh, having a background in nursing, but it was more about the impact it could have on your family And, you know, one thing um, that I want to say before we go on our first break is when you hear about heroic acts, and, and I do call you a hero, but I think kindness is heroic, no matter how large or how small, and especially in today's world. But there is a theme that is within people that act when other people have a need. And the theme is that they just don't think about it. It is just something they wanted to do. And they, you know, they just dive into action. And yes, you had to analyze it. And you said you probably thought about it more than most, but it it was something that you immediately considered the minute you heard Tess say that one day she was going to need a kidney. And it's so inspiring. So on that note, when we come back from this first break, so don't go anywhere because we're going to be back in just two minutes. We're going to hear Anne talk about what her family thought. And we are going to find out a beautiful ripple effect from Anne's decision to be a living donor and how kindness really does that. It has a ripple effect. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back with Anne Rayburn. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you ready to ignite your passion and purpose for life? Make sure you join Jan Jones each week for the Good Good Life podcast. Each week, Jan will share her expertise and insights into personal development as well as spiritual growth discoveries. From the challenges in the valleys to the victories on the mountaintops, Jan has persevered through all of them with unwavering faith and joy. Life is full of possibilities, and Jan wants to walk with you as you discover those possibilities and unleash your full potential. Rekindle the spark inside of you and rejoice in the good, good life with Jan Jones, where we will all love living and live loving. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to The Good, Good Life with Jan Jones. If you have a question or want to share your story with Jan or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now back to the show with Jan. 
Welcome back, everyone. I am so glad you're joining us today on The Good Good Life. And isn't it good when we spread kindness? And we're talking to Ann Rayburn, who really did demonstrate a huge act of kindness and gave her kidney to a friend of hers. So when we left off, I was talking about this ripple effect that our actions really have. You all know that I said it in episode one, and I'll probably say it a lot, that today's decisions are tomorrow's realities. So I want to hear, and she has shared this with me before, but I want her to tell you all what actually happened on on a much larger scale. Um, I mean, first of all, just talk about the impact this had on Tess, your one decision to give this kidney to your dear friend, but also even broader than that, there's a very interesting ripple effect that occurred from Anne's one act of kindness. So Anne, tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, obviously my one kidney helped one person, but, you know, it also helps her husband and her family and her friends. And um, it has been great to see her be healthy and be active. But kind of a ripple effect of me being a donor was that I work for a larger um, healthcare organization is they implemented a paid leave policy for living donors, uh, not only organ donors, but also bone marrow. And so what that then enables people to, you know, because you're going to be off usually at least two weeks after you have a surgery like this. I have a pretty sedentary job. So I did. I came back after two weeks, but some people, you know, might need to take a little bit longer. And so this policy, sorry, I'm downtown. If you can hear the ambulances or the sirens, I'm not being arrested. I promise. Um, But um, so it allows people to take time off to be donors and not have to use their own sick time and vacation time. Because one of the things that um, that I try to do is to keep a little bank of time because I tend to be, I don't know, paranoid or realistic, however you want to look at it. But, you know, you never know when you're going to need some time. You know, am I going to be sick? Is a family member going to be sick? And I need to take a few weeks off from work. And so um, after I donated, I was the I was the inspiration for this paid leave policy to make it easier for people to be living donors. And then a few months after that, the city of Birmingham uh, implemented the same type of policy that UAB has. So again, that city employees can take time off um, paid leave without using their own sick time or vacation time to be donors. And I just heard last week that another hospital in town is also implementing that same policy Um, because, you know, you, you really shouldn't have to use your time, right, or your resources when you're trying to do something to help somebody else. So it just really kind of opens the door to make that easier. And um, in some ways, I'm kind of more proud of that than the fact that I did this thing for Tess, because if I needed a kidney and she could have given me one, she would have done that. Like, that's what friends do. But this really is bigger than that. And I hope that it enables more people to donate and help get more people off dialysis or prevent them from having to need it. So it's just, there is this ripple effect that Jan talked about how you do one thing and this other thing happens. And um, I was fortunate. I was honored through my work to uh, be a walker in the Rose Parade after I was a, a donor. So there's this float that Donate Life America puts together and it's to educate or to bring awareness during the Rose Parade uh, about the need for organ eye and tissue donation. And so we honor deceased donors on the float. They have transplant recipients. And then they also have living donors who walk beside it to show that, you know, you can don- your, donate your kidney and walk six miles. It was hard. I'll be honest, but you know, it was a great experience. And that trip for me, is one of the most amazing experiences of my entire life. And that was made possible, you know, kind of that pay it forward, right? Because I did this kind thing for my friend. Um, for me, what one of the things that makes that trip so special is that my daughter was there, a dear friend of mine, Margaret, who was also a kidney recipient and has since passed away. And we created some beautiful memories that we never would have had. 
And um, so I kind of believe that things happen for a reason and things just kind of fall in place, even if we don't know what that reason is when we're living it. Yes, I know. And what a beautiful, just a beautiful ripple effect because every action, every choice we make, it really does have this effect on people, on situations, on policies that we don't even realize how many people that will touch. And, you know, you were the inspiration for this policy change to make it easier for employees at UAB to be a living donor. And then that spread out into the community, the city of Birmingham. Now there are other hospitals jumping on board. Who knows who is listening to this podcast now? And they may go to their HR and say, this is a great policy. It encourages giving these kidneys to people that need it to give them that vibrant life that they want and that they have. Um, so it's it's just an amazing story to me. And you said it, the whole pay it forward, how it it inspires others to want to do something kind and and in a different way. We all show kindness in different ways. And this is not a podcast to say, oh, you know, you should go be a living donor. We are not all called to do that. But we can all show kindness. And you touched on something when you were um, asked to go and walk in the Rose Parade. Six miles, by the way. Kudos to you. That's a lot of walking. Um, and you did it, right? So everyone, you're, Anne is healthy and doing great and walking six miles in California. But, um, you know, these memories, you said you created some beautiful memories out there with your friend, Margaret, who is no longer with us. And isn't that really what life is about, is creating these memorable moments? And whether it's some big act of kindness, a big trip, I mean, every interaction, we have that opportunity to make it meaningful, even in what we might think is a small way, but it could be huge to that other person or people. And we are going to have a little discussion about practical ways that we can create some meaningful moments. But I want to get back to, um, what you said at the very beginning of your journey that you're sharing with us that you had moved here to Birmingham, you weren't born and raised here, and Tess was actually one of the first people that you met. Now, I am a firm believer, and I said this, I think, in, in episode one, that our stories are not just random short stories. They really are connected for a bigger purpose that, that God is writing for us. And it's interesting to me that Tess was one of the first people that you met when you moved here, and then... It was just on your heart the minute that you found out this was going to happen to her that you wanted to try to be that donor. And I'm wondering in all of this connection and our stories, what were some of the questions and the fears and the doubts that your family and your fiance and all of these people that care about you what were their feelings? How did they describe this to you? What were the discussions like when you were going through this evaluation for tests? So I think most people weren't very surprised that it's something. I mean, I, I got started in organ donation as a profession kind of on a whim. I saw an ad in the paper. I didn't know what I was getting into. And I had this thought of if I like it, great. If I don't, I'll do something else. So that was 30 plus years ago. So. Clearly, I like it. And I just I was have been, say it. it seems like you like it. <laughs> I, it kind of it's kind of stuck. And I, you know, I think because they knew of my experience with deceased donor families and how many recipients I know and how um, I just have been blessed to see both sides of that and see what donation can mean to people. So I think most people weren't really very surprised. Um, I had a little fun with Sarah during the eval because, you know. 
parents love to embarrass their child. And I had to do a 24 hour urine collection. And so I brought the jug home and she's like, what is that? And I said, well, that's the jug. I got to put my urine in that for a whole day. And she's like, oh, for a whole day, you know, and where are you going to keep it? And I was like, right here on the coffee table. So you can look at it. Um, so I tend to find humor in things, you know, to kind of get through anxiety or tension and things like that. Um, I, I think, um, again, I just, I don't think they were all that surprised. Well, I, I have to say though, that one of my family members, uh, was like, I don't think she should do that. I don't think that's, you know, that's safe. And I just, I just looked at her like she was crazy. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. I know what I'm talking about. And, you know, I'm going to do this. And, um, I was fortunate. I felt fortunate that I was a match with Tess because, you know, you have to still match on certain levels in order for that transplant to work and be successful. Um, they do have programs that if Tess and I had not been a match that I could have donated on her behalf and that kidney would have gone to someone else and then she would have gotten a kidney from a stranger. So they do this swap program so that even if I couldn't have donated to her, I still could have facilitated her getting a transplant. And that's all I cared about. It wasn't really so much that my kidney went to Tess. It was just that Tess got a transplant. Um, so there are a variety of ways that that people can donate. Um, but like like Jan said, you don't have to be the living donor to do the kind thing. You can hold the door for people, give, yeah. you know, buy the man lunch at Arby's who's homeless and he needs something to eat. I mean, there's so many ways. And I think especially now that most of the masks are gone, I mean, just smile at people and say hello. And it it sounds real Pollyanna, but it it just lifts people's spirits and um enjoy life. Yeah, this good, good life, right? <laughs> well, um, you know, it's really interesting that you say I don't believe anyone was really surprised. Because this is what I said at the beginning. We want to spread kindness like confetti because confetti is hard to get rid of. And we don't want to get rid of kindness ever. In fact, I think we need to spread it more, which is exactly what you do every day. Um, and we all do this. We have the opportunity. But where I'm going with, with this thought is if it becomes our norm, if it becomes our outward approach to life. And, you know, last week we talked about having that growth mindset and controlling our thoughts. And you said so many things. Of course, I'm I'm going all over the place because I get so excited about these topics that can change the world and kindness can change the world. But, um, you know, if it becomes just hardwired into us, then no one is really surprised when we might do something extravagant for someone like you. They see us doing these small things on a regular basis or a daily basis, and then it inspires other people to do it. Um, but, you know, I love how you said that you use humor sometimes to ease your nerves or calm your spirit a little, kind of deflect the the anxiety around any given situation. And you putting your jug, and for anyone that's ever done a 24-hour <laughs> urine, if you're in the medical field or have some uh, health issues, you've probably done this. It really is a big jug, and I hope we're not like giving too much information to some people, but I love how you just put the jug on the table. So you really put it out there, right? You just put it out there, and you joked about it, and you you enjoyed the process along the way. And I think that is another thing that kindness can really do for people. It, it helps lighten um, some moods sometimes when they are heavy. And it doesn't, doesn't mean that you're dismissing or trivializing any given situation. But, you know, we're going to get into in just a few minutes in the last segment of this show on kindness, practical ways. And Anne has already touched on a couple of them. Um, it doesn't always have to be some big grand gesture. But there's one more thing that I want to just touch on, and we will talk about it when we come back. And 
It's something that hit me that Tess said to you when you called her and said, hey, I want to try to be your donor. And she said, I can't ask you to do this. And your response was, you didn't. You didn't ask me. I'm offering. And I want to talk a little bit after this next break about when someone really does want to bless you, do we want to take that blessing away from them? Because it blesses them when they bless you. And we don't want to deprive them of that opportunity. So I want to I want to hear a little bit more. Um, just touch on maybe conversations that you and Tess had um, about her response and how you really um, convinced her. If you even had to convince her, because sometimes once you say, "Hey, I'm going to do this," then somebody's like, "Okay, I'll let you." But we'll learn more about that after this short break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about blessings. We're going to talk about how you can develop your own kindness and then all kinds of different ways to spread this stuff like confetti. We will be right back in just a couple of minutes. Stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you ready to ignite your passion and purpose for life? Make sure you join Jan Jones each week for the Good Good Life podcast. Each week, Jan will share her expertise and insights into personal development as well as spiritual growth discoveries. From the challenges in the valleys, to the victories on the mountaintops. Jan has persevered through all of them with unwavering faith and joy. Life is full of possibilities and Jan wants to walk with you as you discover those possibilities and unleash your full potential. Rekindle the spark inside of you and rejoice in the good, good life with Jan Jones, where we will all love living and live loving. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Welcome back to The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. If you have a question or want to share your story with Jan or her guests, feel free to join us on the show at 888-346-9141. That's 888 888- Three four six nine one four one. Now back to the show with Jan. Welcome back to the Good Good Life. We are talking about kindness, and we have one of the kindest people I know with us today, Anne Rayburn. Um, she has been sharing just a, a truly inspirational story of a very grand act of kindness by giving her kidney to her friend. So I want to get into the discussion that I mentioned before the break about the reaction when someone wants to be kind to us, um, especially if it is one of those bigger acts. So, Anne, talk to us a little bit about Tess's reaction, any further conversations that you had about your decision, um, any reservations that she may have shown, just a little bit about that interaction when you gave her this news that, hey, I want to do this and I want it to be me if possible, if it works out medically. Um, So tell us a little bit about that. So I would say up until the time I went to surgery, I wasn't 100% sure that she was going to let me do it. I think she was so worried about me, which is really sweet. And that um, that that was kind of her hesitation. And, you know, I I can certainly understand that, you know, that she would feel somehow responsible if something happened to me, despite the fact that I'm an adult and I made my own choice and made my own decision, um, a fun thing. So, um, I know people are listening from all over the world, but we live in the Southeast and we are obsessed with college football. 
And I happen to be an Alabama fan like Jan. She also has excellent taste in football teams. But my friend Tess, she and her husband are huge LSU fans, like obnoxiously huge LSU fans. And um, so um, she actually said for the first time ever, I heard her say as there, we were in the um, waiting room or the pre-op area prior to surgery. So the donor goes back first. So they can take the kidney and then, of course, the recipient follows for their surgery. And as I'm getting wheeled out, she yells, roll tide. And I just laughed. And one of the, um, it was just great. So, I mean, she's probably not said it since, but she's like, okay, my my kidney's leaning more towards Alabama than some of those other schools. She's Um, got a little crimson tide in her now. Exactly. And and I think that's such a great, oh, I love that story. And that is hilarious. Um, But the fact that you said, even almost up to the day of the actual planned surgery, you weren't sure if she was going to let you do it because it was, there were a lot of risks involved and she was very concerned about you. And I feel like when she yelled, cause I have never heard that story. And I think that's hilarious. I feel like when she like called out roll tide, as you were being wheeled in, that was her blessing that you were giving her this blessing and gift of life. Um, and so I think that that is such a great transition into what I want to share with our listeners today, um, just about being open to spreading more kindness, but also being open to receiving more kindness in the world. So what I want everyone to know, and I think Anne is just a living testimony to what I'm about to say is we really need to close the gap between intentions and actions. So what I mean by that is we may think we want to do something. We may even talk a little bit about what our good intentions are. But are we actually following through with action? So we want to close that gap between intention and action. And I want to offer everyone out there three ways that you can actually develop a kind spirit. So get ready for this. Here is the, you know, I I love to give you all a list. So number one, number one, lay aside all the attitudes that don't fit who you are. So remember when we were talking about controlling our thoughts and one of those questions I asked was, does this thought fit who I am? So this is just another point. We need to know who we are, what our convictions are, what our values are. And what we need to do is we need to lay aside all the attitudes that don't fit that person. And I'm talking about attitudes like selfishness, pride, jealousy, criticism, bitterness. That is not who you are, not who you were made to be. So lay those attitudes aside. Number two on how we can develop a kind spirit. Focus on the needs of others and not on yourself. There is, y'all know I got to throw in a good quote. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, we must learn to regard people less in light of what they do or omit to do and more in the light of what they suffer. So we don't need to look at people as what they're giving us or what they're not giving us that we want. We need to consider what they could be suffering. And we need to notice this. We need to have social awareness around us. So we need to focus on the needs of others and not on ourselves. That is the second way we can actually develop a kind spirit. And number three is we got to practice. We've got to practice kindness. When situations tempt you to respond harshly, look at it as an opportunity to bless others. 
with kind words or kind actions. Remember week one, we were talking about winning the race of life. And I gave you that acronym of walk in purpose, intentionally act and nourish others. We got to find a way to be a blessing to other people. So practice kindness. We are equipped for these opportunities. And these opportunities are passing, so we don't want to miss them. So it's all about laying aside bad attitudes, focus on the needs of others, and practice kindness. I was trying to think of an acronym, and I thought, oh, AFK, attitude, focus, and kindness, not AFK away from keyboard for any gamers out there. All right, so that's some ways we can develop a kind spirit. And I think every single one of these, Anne, has just inspired me to even want to dig deeper into creating a kinder spirit within myself because she is living all of those. So I want you all to know that kindness is really talked about throughout Scripture. So I want to give you a couple of verses that might penetrate your heart. You can think about them. Proverbs 15.1 says, A kind word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And look, I like to call people that stir things up. They stir up conflict. They stir up anger. They just stir things up like a spoon. We don't want to be a spoon stirring up things like that. Um, okay, Proverbs 3.3 3 says, Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. I love that image of this just being permanently in and on our hearts, kindness and truth. We've got to protect those things. And Ephesians 4.32, here's my last one. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. It is amazing what happens when we do things for people and not to them. So I want you all to just take some of this and whatever applies to you, whatever really resonates with you and figure out how you can put it into action. But I'm about to give you some ways we can put these things into action and it doesn't involve giving a kidney. But I also want you to think about something that Mr. Rogers has said. From the time you were very little, you have had people who have smiled you into smiling. They've talked you into talking, sung you into singing, and they've loved you into loving. Can't we do these things for other people and just spread kindness like confetti? I know that we can. And this is where I want to get into just practical ways to show kindness at work and in your personal life. Look, this is just a little list I came up with. I want all of you, and I'm challenging you right now, Add things to this list. Come up with new ways. Be aware of what's going on around you. And you know, Anne said it. And to me, there there's hardly anything more powerful than a smile. Smiling at people can knock them out of some really dark negative thoughts because they notice that someone is smiling and they what? They smile back. So encouraging other people. I mean, remember what I said in Mindset Matters. We can either be a stepping stone or we can be a stumbling block. And we can do that for us and for others. So smiling at people, the golden rule, do unto others, say it with me as you'd have them do unto you. But what about the platinum rule? Actually do unto others as they would want done to them. Tell people you love them or appreciate them. Listen to someone who is struggling without judgment. Call someone. Spend some time with people. 
send a card in the mail, an actual card in the U.S. mail. Put your shopping cart away or refill the toilet paper when it runs out or refill the paper tray at work. Respect others' feelings. Respect their property. Respect their time. Give your time. Invite that new team member to lunch. Visit with a neighbor. Volunteer somewhere. Be a mentor to someone. Forgive someone. Or better yet, ask for forgiveness. Bring donuts or candy or muffins to work one day. Let someone else have their way. Babysit or dog sit for someone. Just pet sit for people. Um, Let someone go in front of you at the store. Hold the door. Hold the elevator for other people. Give someone a compliment, even a stranger. When you feel this nudge to tell someone you like their shoes, you like their hair, you like their outfit, don't be afraid. Remember, kindness takes courage. Stick up for someone else. Keep your promises. Offer that recognition to someone at work. I mean, there are so many opportunities every single day for us to be kind and to show that kindness. And it is life giving. Kindness does not have to be earned. It can be freely given and it reminds others that they are valued. We need to act as if what we do makes a difference because it does. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you again so much for joining us today. You have inspired me. I am jazzed up about trying to show some extra kindness, and I hope our listeners are too. We really appreciate you coming, Anne. Thank you for having me, and you inspired me. I listened to your list. You know, just because I helped my friends certainly doesn't mean I'm perfect. No, it's all a work in progress. It is. It is. And you know, that's the perfect segue to wrap up a work in progress. Make sure you join me next week because we are going to be talking about all that potential inside of every single one of you and talk about your strengths. I hope you enjoy this good, good life where you love living and live loving. Now go out there and spread kindness like confetti. I will see you next week. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of The Good Good Life with Jan Jones. We hope today was meaningful for your personal journey. We'll be back next week. Until then, continue to love living and live loving.